Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? What's up, nerds? Welcome to another episode of the Multiverse Report. We are recapping the week's nerdy news from Doom Manor to the spiced mines of Kessel and everywhere in between. I am one of your co-hosts, Mike Gibson. With me, as always, is Steve Haller. What's up, Steve? Well, I don't really know because there wasn't a hell of a lot of news that came out this week. Yeah, well, holiday week, yeah. time off, some, you know, kind of a low-key low week. I do know it did come out this week. coming out. This week, we got the season finale of Andor and the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Very true. And if you're somehow listening to this and did not see our recaps and reviews on those, go check them out. Check them out. Because we did it. We did both of them. It's late. It's late, people. And we're still here recording a whole other episode starting now. But as we said, this episode might be a little light. Because the news week was a little light, but we still got a number of uh, things to dive into. Starting off uh, solemnly with an R.I.P. And I got to confess, this is an R.I.P. for someone I've ne- I had never heard of before. Hmm. A guy named Vic Carbada, um, who was an artist at Marvel. And uh, he is notable for that and many other things. He was also notable because he is the last surviving, or was the last surviving Marvel artist that worked for Marvel in the 1950s before it became the house of Stanley and Jack Kirby and the Marvel superhero universe. Um, he passed away this week at 93 years old. Um, he, like I said, he worked uh, at Marvel pre-superhero. He worked on um, books called Astonishing and a book called Journey into Mystery, which later on would introduce uh, Thor in issue like 82 Hmm. or 83 or something like that. Um, uh, He was given his big break in comics by Jack Kirby himself. Apparently he, uh, in the article that I read, uh, was him telling a story about how he got his first job at Marvel and apparently he had some kind of meeting with Jack Kirby or lunch or met Jack Kirby somewhere. He didn't really say really how he met Jack Kirby, but um, as they were leaving the meeting, he introduced his wife was there, I guess. And he introduced his wife to Jack Kirby. His wife stood up and Jack Kirby realized that his wife was pregnant. And uh, Jack Kirby said, wait right here and went back into his office and wrote a note, sealed it in an envelope, gave it to Vic and said, bring this to this address, to this room in this office, and tell him I sent you. And he took that envelope to the address, to the office that Jack Kirby told him to go to. He walked in. It was Stan Lee's office. Stan Lee opened the note, and it, he read it, and then looked up at Vic and said, so Jack Kirby says you're a pretty good artist. And he was, you know, said, oh, I don't know about that. He's like, do you, well, but do you want to see some of my examples? Do you want to see my portfolio? And Stan Lee said, no, I don't need to. If Jack says you're good, then you're good. Here, can he and had him a script and said, "I need this back in a week." And that was his first job <laughs> at Marvel. It's a pretty great story. So, um, so R.I.P. Uh, one of the originals, one of the first, uh, you know, working Marvel artists working on Journey into Mystery and other like horror sci-fi books at that time. Uh, Vic Carbata, 93 years old. Rest in peace, my friend. Moving out of uh, the solemnness of an R.I.P. intro, 
Um, starting the show in earnest, starting it in the same place we started it last week, Steve. And we're we're not getting much younger than the guy we just talked about. <laughs> no, no. Ten-ish years. Yep. Ten, thirteen years, maybe. We're uh, jumping back into the world of Indiana Jones. And again, I know I said this last week, Steve, but huh, I like talking about Indiana Jones. It's like a new, it's like a breath of fresh air. Oh, it's yeah. like something that we haven't I, touched I on just, too much. Occasionally I, it comes yeah. up, but. I just rehooked up the Blu-ray player so they could bust those out. Nice. Yep. So we'll um, see. I got to test yeah, your I'm theory ex- that, uh, that any non-raiders uh, of the OT aren't as bad as you remember them or as bad as they get credit for uh yeah no i think okay should we rank our four indiana jones movies right now before we jump in yeah i mean sure Might it as seems well. like i've seen them more recently than you but that shouldn't necessarily be yeah said to say that i my opinions are stronger or better than yours or whatever like that so we can just like oh no like rank I'll, as I'll, we see. I'll throw it out there that it's you know raiders crusade temple Long drop, Crystal Skull. <laughs> uh, I'm similar but different. I'm in. I'm in release order. Okay. I go Raiders, Temple of Doom, Last Crusade. So long this, drop. Now is that a is that Crystal a Skull. recent like from rewatching yes. it where it jumped? Okay. Yes. Yeah. I um, I also may because I remember distinctly, like the whole Kalima and all that like freaking me out as a kid. So that may have yeah. That may have like yeah. jostled some things in there. Yeah, Raiders is, I think, a, a perfect film. I love it, hands down, the best. I you when I was younger, I remember I saw it when I was a little kid, mm-hmm. and it scared me. Like you're yeah. saying, I was viscerally influenced by it. Um, what a guy getting his heart ripped out of his chest! Come on, <laughs> yeah, what's what's that exactly. going to do to a child? And then. I remember when I saw it when I was like in middle school or high school or something, I watched it and I was like, oh, this short round kid is really annoying. Oh, this Kate Capshaw actress is really annoying. And I uh, uh, give me mm-hmm. Last Crusade. And when I recently watched them. Last Crusade to me, still good, but it felt like it felt smaller somehow. I don't know. It just felt like it was shot more like, like a TV show almost and less like a big epic adventure. Like it's still good, but it just wasn't quite there for me. And Temple of Doom is just just so insane it's just like so bonkers completely non-stop it goes from one thing to another right. thing and it has stuff like like you just said like people getting hearts ripped out of their chest and also fed to live alligators and burned alive in a pit and child slavery and just all this insane yeah. insane stuff people eating monkeys brains and stuff like it's just wild completely off the rails that i was like this movie is incredible. <laughs> I can't believe that it's a rated PG-13. I can't believe that I saw this when I was 10 or whatever. Cause just, right. it's just so wild. So, uh, Temple of Doom, big bump up for me on a recent rewatch for sure. But anyway, we're not supposed to be talking about any of those Indiana Jones movies. We're supposed to be talking about Indiana Jones five, which we learned this week. will feature digital de-aging of Harrison Ford himself apparently the film's opening sequence takes place in 1944 which places it six years after the events of indiana jones and the last crusade and will feature a digitally de-aged indiana jones steve 
What are your thoughts on the concept of using digital de-aging on actors? Uh, my, well, uh, let's put a timestamp on this. What were okay. my thoughts prior to seeing uh, Mando season two or <laughs> after seeing where they can go now? Because if it's going to be a long stretch, I still may be hesitant, but I, I think the, the Luke scenes in the end of Mando season two uh, showed us that it is possible to do it and not have it, not have it completely sit in that uncanny valley of yeah, this doesn't look good, but it doesn't look bad, but I don't know what to feel. The Luke Skywalker example is good, but it's also, I don't know if it's fully apt because I feel like they used a bunch of different technologies to bring that to life. Like not just de-aging, they also used a body double, they also used a re-speecher or whatever yep. to make the dialogue and stuff. So... I don't know. Well, and I got a hunch that they're going to do the same thing with Harrison Ford. I know. I feel the same way. I feel like... Like, you can't take an 80-year-old man and just de-age him. Like, you're going to have to use exactly. a body double. Yes. Depending on what, they, what they're having him like, do. Yeah. Yes. Because that was... I thought the digital de-aging in Martin Scorsese's The Irishman was done pretty well, except that he still moved like an old guy. Right. Like, he looked like maybe a 30-year-old uh, Robert De Niro. Right. But he still, like, it wasn't, he was like, he wasn't, like, nimble <laughs> or whatever. He was still, like, a 60-, 70-year-old dude or whatever moving around. Um, So that's where I think it gets a little wonky. So I agree with you. May, it's possible that they, maybe they have a body double as well. Do they use Alden Ehrenreich? <laughs> That'd be amazing. That would be. But if you uh, look, the body maybe. double they used for Luke actually weirdly looks like Mark Hamill. Yes, true. Like, creepily true. looks like him. Like, yeah. if they cast yeah. a young Luke Skywalker, like, just get this guy. Or Sebastian right. Stan, because, well, or Sebastian same Stan. deal. And this is a tangent, but you mentioned recasting Luke Skywalker, and after Mando Season 2 finale, but also more so when we saw him in Book of Boba Fett, mm -hmm. I thought the technology on Luke had improved vastly by the time we saw him in, in Book of Boba Fett. That was what I was actually talking about. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, More so than because I forgot Mando that, that season was two when he wasn't yeah. really moving his head at all. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. No. The yeah. So in my brain, I was thinking at the Jedi Temple and all that. Right. Uh, however, I also must have blocked out the first fact that that was in Book of Boba Fett and not that that was Mandalorian two and a half and not uh, yeah yeah Mandalorian two Mando proper yeah, yeah. gotcha um yeah and. You know, if they ever decide to make a Luke Skywalker series or whatever, I know people have called for that based on the technology that they have. I don't know. Like, I don't think they should be so precious about recasting. I'm someone that is a big fan of Alden Ehrenreich's Han Solo. Yeah. I'll watch a sequel to that. We're going to talk about that a little bit later in the show. Um, I really like, I have no problem with him being recast. I really like Dan, um, Donald Glover as Lando. I would, as much as Luke Skywalker lives specifically inside my heart, yeah, I would 100% be down with a recast of Luke Skywalker just to see what another actor could do with it, like a real-life actor. Yeah. Like, 
actors bring a lot to these roles. And yes, Mark Hamill is defined as Luke Skywalker, but that doesn't mean that it should be hands off forever or that, you know, like we talked about a couple weeks ago that James Earl Jones signed over the rights to have his voice used as Darth Vader's voice for the end of all time. Like, do you really need to do that? You have people voicing him in video games and animated shows that sound a lot like him, sound very much like him. Like I'm playing through the PS5 um, Lego Star Wars version. And honestly, all of the voice actors in that show, or sorry, in that game, are great. Like yeah. the Luke, Han, Leia, they all sound a lot like those characters. Like Very a lot so. like Mark Hamill, a lot like um, Harrison Ford, and a lot like Carrie Fisher. Like get any of those to do the voice so you don't have to use Reese Speecher creepily or, or, you know, like, I don't know. There's a lot of av- avenues you could do, and I would be totally open to a recast. However, that's not what they're doing for Indiana Jones 5, although it would be hilarious if it was a flashback and it was played by Alden Ehrenreich. Um, that would be, I wish oh, yeah. they were great. doing that instead. Um, regarding the de-aging technology, I, 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 sorry, I asked you, you said Luke Skywalker. I'm going to say the Ant-Man movies, I think, have done it okay, pretty yeah. well. Yep. Um, although still not like perfect like that to me, that's like the best, like just straight de-aging, not like using an amalgam of, of other technologies. And Marvel also used it well on Nick Fury in Captain Marvel. Although that wasn't like de-aging him decades. It was just like, you know, maybe 10, maybe a decade or something based on that timeline. But, um, Anyway, director of Indy 5, James Mangold, said, I wanted the chance to dive into this kind of full-on George and Steven, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, this full-on George and Steven old picture and give the audience an adrenaline blast. And then we fall out and you find yourself in 1969 so that the audience doesn't experience the change between the 40s and the 60s as an intellectual conceit, but literally experiences the buccaneering spirit of those early days and then the beginning of now. I think that's pretty smart. That's a pretty good justification. Yeah. So we get, instead of like, you know, the beginning, I don't know last time you saw a crystal skull, but the beginning of crystal skull, there's no flashback. It starts with Indy in his sixties. And they just, yeah, (laughs) the beginning of that movie is littered with jokes about how old he is just to like really hammer it. Like, okay, I get it. I get it. I get it. He's old. Um, But I think see like, doing something like this kind of similar to the beginning of last crusade when we see Indiana Jones as a child and then it cuts to him as an adult. It seemingly is just seems like what he's describing is going to be similar to that where we see him in his prime. Um, and then we'll cut to him as an older man, um, in 1969. Um, Kathleen Kennedy, uh, CEO of Lucasfilm also said, my hope is that although we, it will be talked about in terms of technology, her hope is that you just watch it and go, oh my God, they just found footage. This was something they shot 40 years ago. I'm in an, I'm in an Indiana Jones movie. Like they want that. They don't want the technology to be jarring, I guess. They want it to just look very natural. Right. And to that point, Harrison Ford even said, this is the first time I've ever seen it where I believed it. Which of course um, he's going to say, but. Which, yeah, he's not going to say anything bad. Um, you know, I saw it. It looked like a giant bag of shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Although, I mean, Harrison Ford may actually say that. Never mind. Yeah, that's true. That's actually true. Um, but I actually did this week. I rewatched Blade Runner 2049, which, mm-hmm. by the way, I think is a masterpiece of a movie. And that features, this is hardly a spoiler. It features a, again, this is more of the Luke Skywalker example than the Ant-Man, Michelle Pfeiffer examples. Right. But um, 
uh, it features um, Sean Young's character from the first Blade Runner, mm-hmm. um, a, a digital de-aged version of that uh, character in, in, a, in a scene. I thought it looked really damn good, but if, and, and that is a scene with Harrison Ford, so he's saying that he saw that and now was saying that this is the first time where he believes it, then that's saying something because I thought they did yeah. a really good job of it in Blade Runner 2049. So, and who knows, who knows if Harrison Ford has even seen Blade Runner 2049, he could just be completely cash. You know, in the like you said, this could be just all promo. Yeah. But, um, I am down for this movie. I'm very excited about it. Um, as long as the de-aging isn't like, like I said, jarring enough to kind of like take me out of it or for me to be like, Ugh, that doesn't look good or ugh, you know i'd rather just be like like kathleen kennedy said like oh this is indiana jones i'm watching an indiana jones movie and this is great this is great so hopefully that is the case we will learn more about that hopefully in the coming weeks we're going to get a title i'm dying to know we, what this title we've is we've got to we're well under a year until the like it's june 30th I know. is the release date i think so it's next year yeah yeah uh, so we gotta yeah. be getting something here Give me the MacGuffin. What are we going after? What are we chasing? What are we fighting Nazis over here? What could it yep. possibly be? I well, don't know. I mean, that was the biggest thing we got was that we're fighting Nazis. Uh, do we know if Shia LaBeouf is uh, coming back? I do not believe that he is. I believe that Harrison Ford did not love working with Shia LaBeouf mm. yeah. on Indy 4. Can't imagine. Um, yeah, can't imagine why. Anyway... Moving off of Lucasfilm stuff, moving into uh, some Marvel stuff, we uh, finally got a new director for Blade. Um, Jan Demange, I believe is how you pronounce it. I'm not sure if it's Demange or Demange. Jan Demange is going to direct Blade for Marvel Studios. He is replacing uh, Bassam Tariq, who left the film in September, as we reported on the Multiverse Report, due to creative differences with Marvel, the studio, which... Not the first time that's happened. Not the first time a director has left because the studio wanted certain things. Looking at you, uh, what's-her-face, Patty Jenkins, Mm. and Edward Wright. Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright. Edward Wright. That's not his name. Um, Once uh, Tariq left the film, Marvel delayed Blade for almost a full year. And uh, now apparently they're... I I don't know if they're... I feel like this movie is going to get delayed again. I don't, I, I think that either if you're bringing a, a new director on now, and also I read in the same article that they just recently hired a writer named Michael Starbury to write a new draft of the script. You're starting from script level and you just got a new director and you think this movie is going to come out in a year. Ugh. Yeah. That is, we're talking rise of Skywalker timeline there. And you and I know yeah, how that turned out. That's that's not everybody's cup of tea around here. So you're telling me you're gonna start from scratch and make a a you know multi million dollar Marvel movie that looks great and has no flaws <laughs> in a year? I don't know. I feel like this is gonna get delayed again. Um but anyway, that's beside the point. Um, Jan Demange has directed the films 71 and White Boy Rick. And also, this is what sold me on him as a director, the first episode of Lovecraft Country, which is a show that I watched and loved every second of. Very upset that they're not getting a season two of Lovecraft Country. Um, if he And he was an executive producer on that show as well. So 
Um, definitely down with this guy um, walking into the world of Marvel and walking into the world of Blade. How, how so, did that not get a second season? I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. It's dumb. It's dumb that they didn't get a second season. Um, but I mean, also, if you have seen, I don't know if you've seen the entire first season, but if you have, it does end in a way that it doesn't necessarily need a second season. But I just wanted one because the first season was so good. Right. I yeah. I haven't seen it. It was more the like I've heard critical acclaim left and right for yeah. it. Yeah. I would. I highly recommend Lovecraft Country to anybody listening to this yeah. podcast. It is a great show. And hey, guess what? It's only one season, so you can watch it. It's a complete story. It ends, and that's it. It's great. And you had me at Jonathan Majors. Yes, and Kang himself, Jonathan Majors. And this is Lovecraft Country was the first show I really saw him in. That it, I was kind of like, oh, the dude from Lovecraft Country is going to be right. the next big Marvel big bad. Awesome. Sold. That dude is a tremendous actor. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so it stars Kang and Black Canary. Um, Journey uh, Smollett is in Lovecraft Country as well, the two leads. So check it out. There Highly you. recommend. Yeah, oh, man. Sorry. I'm just remembering other shit about Lovecraft Country that I loved. <laughs> and uh, I want to rewatch it. Um, anyway, it's so good. It's gross. It's terrifying. It's just amazing um so yeah Jan Dimaje directing Blade thoughts Steve uh I'm glad it's getting back on track I think yeah um I think the clock's taking on Mahershala to get this thing done I think so too I think a lot of pressure is coming from him as we heard from um Jeff Snyder yeah uh, who we've talked about before we referenced him before once that uh Tariq left he's the one that kind of broke the fact that Mahershala Ali not happy with the script and that there was a lot of uh, trouble in Marvel Blade Town. So, um, yeah, I think you're right. I, I, I mean, Mahershala Ali went to Marvel after he won an Oscar. He right. went to Marvel and said, I want to be Blade. Mm-hmm. So he wants this to happen, but I don't think that's, I don't think it makes it impossible for him to walk away from it if things aren't going the way he wants. So you really hope that um, Demanje is going to be able to deliver yeah. and that Marvel's going to be able to deliver because they're making a lot of promises right now. No, and that's a weird one that like, I don't know, Blade, Blade seems to, I mean, he's, he's literally been in a post-credit scene as Blade. So yeah, we've heard his voice. This yeah. has to happen at some point, maybe, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Um, while we're talking about Marvel and their insane uh, slate of things, mm. I don't know if this is the case, but we, as we talked about last week, we found out live during the episode last yeah. week that Bob Chapek had been fired as CEO of Disney and replaced by Bob Iger. Um, the, the return of the CEO, Bob. Yeah. Um, former CEO Bob Iger coming back for two years to kind of right the ship that Bob Chapek was, um, you know, sinking. Um, do we think that's going to have any effect on Marvel's release schedule, Lucasfilm's release schedule, anything like, cause we've talked about how Marvel is like just flooding the marketplace with their own stuff. They are kind of like taking away their own box office. If they're going to release star Wars movies and Marvel movies and avatar movies and Pixar movies and everything at the same time, like they're taking away their own, their they're blocking their own audience from, you know, I don't know. Is, is there, a ch is there any chance that Iger comes back and says, yo, Feige, pump the brakes. 
I think there strongly is, and I think it's something really? he should do. Um, I if you look at the release cadence well. under Iger, it was very um, measured. Yeah. And yes, I get that there's a bunch of stuff heating up, but you know maybe we see the show's cut in half or something along those lines. Spaced out more. Right. Like, if you're going to do it, make it a, you know, 10-year plan instead of a five-year plan. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe take until 2028 instead of just cramming all these in between now and 2025 (laughs) or whatever. Um, Give us some space. Give yourself some space. I mean, I remember um, in the Blade stuff that Jeff Snyder was talking about, one of the things he said was that Kevin Feige was feeling spread thin by all the stuff. Of course he is. Of course he is. He's juggling a thousand projects. Yeah, and you don't want to, you know, run your golden goose out of the nest. Like, yeah, yeah. I saw some survey from this was last week. Uh, we didn't talk about it because I didn't. I don't put too much credence in it from a, um, the website fandom.com. Yep, it's a big hub for like nerd news. I don't necessarily follow it, but I know a lot of people do. They did like a fan poll. Um. And there was something like a majority of Marvel fans are feeling fatigued by the amount of content that they feel like they have to put up with. Um, And I'm certainly one of those, for sure. Absolutely the same. So if we're starting to get news, I mean, you and I are starting to feel that way. If clearly other people are starting to feel that way, too, maybe like, yo, read the room, Disney. Read the room, Marvel. Like, hey, back up. We'll 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 watch it. We'll still watch it if it comes out two years later. <laughs> like, I'm still buying a ticket for Blade right? whenever it comes out. Whenever it comes out. So you can take your time and make a good movie. You don't have to just push it a year. You can push it two years. Make it really good. I would rather you do that. I'd rather a good Blade movie than a meh Blade movie. Yeah. Faster. 100%. Anyway. Um, that's all the Marvel stuff we got, but I will again shout out that we have also just re- recently tonight recorded a review of the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special written and directed by James Gunn on Disney Plus right now. So if you're um, looking for more Marvel stuff, even though there's, like we talked about, a glut of it right now in your face, um, you can go watch one. Watch a thing. Watch a 40-minute holiday special on um, Disney Plus. Steve... Do you prefer the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special or the Werewolf by Night Halloween special? Uh, the Star Wars holiday special. Okay. Yeah. Good answer. Yeah. No, uh, I would who? say Werewolf. Yeah, me too. Uh, both not great. We didn't, yeah, not, like, I was going to say, not that we didn't love the holiday special. We loved it very much. If you listen to our review, you can hear us talk about it that much. But yeah. And I almost, I, I almost feel like them pivoting to something like that where instead of these long drawn out series, we're getting a lot more of the feature presentations or something like that, that are one-offs that you can miss that you can, you know, it's uh, akin to comics. It's like the equivalent of an annual or like a one-off or whatever of just like, okay, this is ancillary to the storyline, but it's going to be fun. Go check it out. Yeah. Dude, I totally agree with that. Like we just, within the past few weeks learned that, it was the. It was originally Armor Wars was originally going to be a series on Disney Plus, and they just changed it. Armor Wars is going to be a film. Yeah, because they felt that that was a better fit for the story mm-hmm. that they were trying to tell. Great. What if you're making a movie, 
and you're like, yo, this is a lot of filler. We don't need any of this. This would be way better as a 45 minute yeah. special. Yeah. Great. Then Give down 45 minute, it. one I'm hour, like it. cut, dried, done. Yeah. Anyway, we'll see. We'll see what happens. It would be nice for, uh, for them to pump the brakes a little bit. Well, now we'll we're now we're going in the opposite direction from wanting to pump the brakes a little bit to something we've talked about wanting more of. Yeah, I uh, went from Lucasfilm to Marvel back to Lucasfilm talking about some Star Wars stuff. And this is I don't usually I don't usually put stories like this on the rundown because every once in a while there's a story that makes nerd headlines that like an actor or an actress is asked if they would be interested in joining the MCU or mm-hmm. joining the Star Wars franchise or returning to the MCU. You know, Oscar will Oscar Isaac play Moon Knight again? Will he play Poe Dameron again? Every once in a while, there's a story like Elizabeth Olsen is interested in returning as Scarlet Witch in the next Avengers movie. Like, of course, yeah, of course she is. <laughs> so I don't put stories like that on the rundown because. Of course, like, uh, of of course, you know, actor XYZ is interested in getting paid millions of dollars to join the biggest franchise in the world. Right. Of course, that's not news. Who knows? Of course. Because, um, and, you know, the answer is always the same. For, like, a returning actor, like an Oscar Isaac, the answer is always like, well, sure, if the story was good. Yeah, of course. That's everybody's answer. Right. Every, Which no roughly to translates to, yes, if they throw enough money in my face. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, I don't usually put stories like this on, but I thought this was a little bit interesting because I I felt like I'd never seen somebody so involved in a behind-the-scenes role kind of make a case for returning to something that some fans want. And again, some fans do not want at all. We're talking about Solo, as we teased earlier. Han Solo. Mm -hmm. John Kasdan co-writer of Solo, a Star Wars story. And current showrunner of oh, Wicket. What's that? Current showrunner of Wicket. Current showrunner of er, Will- Willow. Willow. Oh, I, I would love a Wicket show. I would love a Wicket show. <laughs> Give me yeah. a Disney Plus Wicket show. No subtitles. No translation. <laughs> I want Ewoks chipping at each other yep. for 40 minutes for six episodes minimum. That's all I want. Um... John Kasdan, showrunner of Willow, co-writer of Solo 2. He co-wrote Solo 2 with his father, Lawrence Kasdan, who is a very famous holiday... Holiday? Holiday Wicket. Hollywood. Hollywood. (laughs) Holiday Wicket show. Hollywood screenwriter. um, He's and He also wrote Empire Strikes Back, Lawrence Kasdan. uh, Funny movie. Ever heard of it? uh, It sounds familiar. Yeah. I've heard the title before. I've heard of it. I haven't actually heard it. But yeah. Kasdan uh, so did anyway. like Big Chill, Wyatt Earp, Silverado, Dreamcatcher, Body Heat. Like a lot of that yeah. 80s to 90s-ness was, he was influenced. Yeah, for sure. They brought him back to write solo and he wrote it with his son, John Kasdan. Um, John Kasdan recently said that he is open to return for solo too. Um there's been there is a fan movement. There's a hashtag on Twitter that shows up every once in a while called make hashtag make solo two happen. People that really want a sequel. I'm one of those people that really wants a sequel to solo. I was I thought it was good, not great when I first saw it. Upon rewatching it several times, I really think it's just 
super, super fun and great. I love it. I would love more. I would love a sequel. They clearly thought they were going to make a sequel by the way they ended it and just never happened. So John Kazan gave a quote about Solo 2 this past week saying, for a Solo 2, if there's a great reason, and certainly I would be game if there was, there were so many great characters we were able to establish. And for me, the strongest argument for a Solo 2 is in the movie was Alden's journey to owning that mantle. By the end of it, I thought he really did. And he didn't get the fun of just getting to inhabit that role for an entire movie, like on his own, as he's saying. So I'd love to see him come back. I'm certainly one of those people, when that time of year rolls around, meaning the release date, May or whatever the movie came out, when that time of year rolls around, I immediately, my imagination goes to all the things we intended to do. So they had plans for a sequel. They clearly did. Um, I think I'm on record on this podcast saying that I have no issue with Alden Ehrenreich playing a recast Han Solo. I said it earlier. In I was going to say, episode. I think we've, we're on record <laughs> this episode saying that. Yeah. Uh, I know I've also said it in the past as well. I would love a solo too. And I think it's cool that one of the writers yeah. is also saying like, yeah, let's do it. Like we have the ideas. We already knew where we were going to go and I would love to do it and it would be great. So let's just do it. Um, what do you think, Steve? Uh, I think... I would absolutely love it. I think even coming out of the theaters, I was very excited for a solo too. Yeah. Um, not only because of uh, one dual sabered former Sith Lord that was mm-hmm. cameoed at the end, but just in general, like the the concept of getting Alden and possibly Donald Glover and all of them back to flesh out this period which to a degree the comics have started to do in the Crimson Rain yeah. stuff with Kira and uh, it's it's begun, but they could really flesh it out a ton more. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I would love to see more of this timeline. Um, I'd love to see more. I like part of the reason I love Solo or have learned, I've have begun to love Solo is the lack of lore or the lack of, not the lack of stakes, but like the lack of uh, like global impact or like, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like it doesn't, it's not leading into a specific, it's not setting, it's a prequel, but it's not a prequel that it needs to set up a specific plot point necessarily. I mean, we get like, yeah, he meets Chewie, he meets Lando, he gets the Falcon. Like, we get all these, like, beats of his life, you know, which didn't necessarily all need to be in one movie, but whatever. Um, But it's just like, other than all that stuff, other than seeing how he becomes, quote-unquote, Han Solo, it's just a fun adventure with Han and Chewie and Lando. Like, I just want another one of those. I want, like... That that seems to be what Kasten's saying, is... Yeah. That he's, you know, Alden had to set up him being Han Solo in this... And in the next one, it'd just be a fun go. buddy comedy. Yeah, like, exactly. Go do your thing. Yeah, and it's not like it's going to. It doesn't like. I mean, it doesn't have to lead into a new hope the way Rogue One needed right. it to lead into a new hope. You know what I mean? That's what I meant. But it doesn't. It's not setting up any like bigger thing. It doesn't owe service to the bigger story necessarily. So you can just have like fun adventures with this crew, and have it be more like what we talked about earlier, have it be more like an Indiana Jones movie where like this time he's just after this thing 
with these characters that you love and that's it. It's just an adventure story. Right. At this point, he's a smuggler. Like, yeah. have him go do smuggly things. Yeah, show us he's got to go smuggle something. And it's not like there's not a big reveal of Luke Skywalker at the end or whatever. It's just like, nope, just another adventure with Han and Chewie. And right. I am in for that. Oh, yes. Solo was Give 10 years before the OT. Like, there's even time to play before, like, and or time frame. You totally. have five years to play in there. Yeah, Where there's sure. no canon. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. So anyway, that happened this week. Um, moving uh, from movies and shows into some comics, uh, quick uh, comic book news. Donny Cates has stepped away from writing Hulk for Marvel. Um, he'd been on it for less than a year. And um, the rest of the run will be written and drawn mm. by artist Ryan Otley, who was on Hulk, um, who took over Hulk with Cates when they started their run on Hulk. Um, one, I think that's super cool that the artist is now just stepping up to both draw and write it. Yeah. You know, he's, it's just, it makes total sense that the artist, I mean, they've been in the creation process with Donny Cates the entire time. So why not? Um, I'm not sure how much longer this run has to go or will go now that the creative team is broken up. Um, Cates said in a statement that uh, he had to step away from the title to deal with quote, a bunch of life. Um, but he's okay and nothing's really the big deal. And he's now teasing the development of a new quote unquote insane project with Marvel. So he's still in the Marvel family. He's not going anywhere as a writer. Um, and the remainder of the Hulk run that they had intended to do is being taken over by artist Ryan Otley. Um, I haven't read a ton of Donnie Kate stuff, but I like his, the stuff that I've read. I've liked quite a bit. I think he's a pretty great writer. Yeah. His Venom um, and Thor that I've, you know, uh, dabbled in have both been very, like his Venom run was great. And then Thor and King Thor and that whole thing is, yeah. was solid. He actually has, he and Ryan Stegman have a indie they just put out that I guess is really good as well. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, the stuff I've read from him is mostly Venom related stuff. That absolute, was it Absolute Carnage? Absolute Carnage, yeah. Yeah, that was a good mini, I like that mini series a lot. Yep. He's really good at that. There were so many um, goddamn books in that. I know. It was like <laughs> everything in the world tied into that. Yeah, wild. Um, so that's going on this week in your local comic book store. We got Blue Beetle Graduation Day, new, be new Blue Beetle run, drumming up some interest, I think, before uh, the summer's movie comes out. Briar, number two. Captain America, Symbol of Truth, number seven. DC's Grifter Got Run Over by a Reindeer, one shot holiday special grifter is a like a c or d list level uh vigilante anti-hero character that has a growing fan base but not vigilante because we have already touched on him right not actual vigilante he's just a vigilante not mm -hmm. the vigilante um and i think that's a really funny title for a holiday spinoff grifter got run over by a reindeer Absolutely. um uh, Damn Them All, number two. Justice Society of America, number one. A brand new Justice Society book. There hasn't been a Justice Society book in years. I think over 10 years since the last JSA book. So, or J, yeah, JSA. Um, so check that out. Philadelphia, number 25. Nightwing, 2022 annual. Nubia and the Justice League special, number one. Steve, this next book, 
I don't know how I missed an announcement about this. I didn't know this was happening. Peter Parker and Miles Morales, Spider-Man, Double Trouble, number one of four. Now, I'm very interested in this book because a couple years ago, there was a miniseries called Spider-Man and Venom, Double Trouble, and it was a like a four-issue book, and it was kid-friendly. It was um, If the art's any readers. indication, this looks very similar to that. Well, that makes me very excited because I bought a few. I, th- I, I think I missed number three. I got like one, two, and four. And my son and I read the hell out of those books. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if he remembers them now because kids right. lose all their memories every like year and a half <laughs> or whatever until mm-hmm. they're seven or whatever. I don't know. Um, but uh, that makes me excited. You and I talk about how we wish there was more uh, comics or TV shows or movies that were superhero based, but made specifically for kids. So now that uh, my son's even even older, now he'll probably more appreciate a Spider-Man book like this. And there's only four issues, so definitely pick oh. it up as it's coming out. So I have to put Damn that on it. my pull list. I think there's a Momoko variant on it too. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, nice. It looks good. I bet. All right. Awesome. Time to contact uh, contact Jesse and say, hey, Give throw this on the poll. Funky Town a call. Yep. For sure. Uh, I've got Planet Hulk, Warbreaker, number one. Star Trek, number two. Star Wars, Darth Vader, number 29. Superman, Kel-El Returns. Special number one, the return of Clark Kent, Superman. Unbreakable Red Sony, number two. And Wildstorm, 30th anniversary special one shot coming out this week. Please go and check out all those books and so much more at your local comic book store this week. Steve, you gotten to read anything lately? Finally digging into that pile at all? No, no, but it got bigger because I grabbed the uh, Daredevil mm-hmm. number five and Something's Killing the Children 26 that were on my I also, Yep, I also grabbed Something is Killing the Children. Haven't read it yet, um, but planning on it at some point. I also didn't uh, realize that this uh, Darth Vader run currently is the longest running Darth Vader book. Really? I didn't yeah, know that. Each of the the 2015 Soul Run and the 2017 Gillen Run were uh I want to say like 25ish episodes each. So Oh wow, so now they're up sitting there. 29 they're past there. Yeah. Nice. That's cool. You got anything that's been on have you have you made it through anything? I am almost caught up on Nightwing. Okay. I was like four or five issues back on Nightwing. I think there's one or two left I have to catch up on. I hate um, to say this. I, I, I need like a good other... sick day. What's like, that? I need like a day that I actually get sick and can't like sick enough I that I can't go to work, but need like I can read. Yeah, I had there was a night this past. I had some time off this past week for Thanksgiving, and there was at least one night when I was like, I feel like reading comics. That's the only thing I feel like doing. And so I just read a bunch of Nightwing stuff that I was behind on. And then the next night, I don't know. I was just like, I just don't feel like reading. I just feel like watching a movie. So oh, yeah. enter Blade Runner 2049. There you, <laughs> you go. Know, as previously mentioned. but That'll be Raiders for me. Yeah. That's cute. But uh, I watch. really do have to hunker down and start reading now that, especially now that I have the remainder of Something is Killing the Children. Yeah. I can dive into that and figure that out. Yep. Um. And uh, so that's all for comics news. Moving into some one shots. We got a couple one shots to close out the show. You take it away, Steve, with this first super fun one. Sure, absolutely. And in, uh, well, holiday fashion, Ryan Reynolds mm-hmm. has co written a Deadpool Christmas movie, which never got made. Uh, and I quote I would love to see Song and Dance number in the Deadpool movie. 
Four years ago, Rhett Reese, Paul Wernick, and I wrote a Christmas movie starring Deadpool, but it got lost in the shuffle of Disney acquiring Fox and never got made. Maybe one day we'll get to make that movie. It's not a musical, but it's a full Deadpool Christmas movie, so one day. Speaking of Disney Plus holiday specials. Yeah. I mean, come on. That's that's a no-brainer right there. Right. Do you want to make your I, bank? Yes. Go what Yeah. Like that's that seems like something people would actually subscribe for. Sure. Although, I mean, I would also take a full hour and a half Deadpool Christmas movie. Oh, 100%. <laughs> too. Yeah. 100%. It's it's better um, than the Hallmark options. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think it's cool I think it's cool that it's out that this is out there that they've already done at least one draft of it. So, you know, whatever happens with Deadpool three, we'll see how that ends or how he gets involved in the MCU. But hey, this idea is out there. We know that Marvel is clearly open to doing holiday based things. So, yeah, make that movie. I would love that too. This next one I thought was hilarious. Um, and relevant as we're moving into uh, December, getting closer to the release of Avatar, The Way of Water. We're going to have to go see that so we can review it, aren't we? Dude, I don't think so. I don't want to see that. I don't want to sit through a three-hour movie either. that I don't have I really any excitement don't either. about. I think I'm, I'm going to wait to see what the reviews are, to be honest with you. Yeah. So, All right, I'm we'll sorry. play that one by I'm ear. sorry. What's that? I play said we'll play ear. that yeah. one by ear. So I'm sorry, Multiverse Report listeners, if you were really hoping that we were going to go see Avatar 2 when it comes out, but that's up in the air right now. I I don't know. I don't really have a desire to see it. Um, and um, if I'm in, I don't know if I'm in the minority or the majority about that, but if I'm in the majority, then James Cameron might not be having the best of days. James, Cam- James Cameron himself gave an interview this week that said, in order for Avatar 2 to break even at the box office, to break even, not even to make a profit, to break even, it needs to become the third or fourth, fourth highest grossing film of all time. <laughs> Which, just to clarify, that means it has to make over $2 billion at the box office. It has to surpass, right now, the third and fourth highest grossing movie of all time, uh, third, I believe, is Titanic. And the fourth, I believe, is Star Wars The Force Awakens. Yeah. So he has to usurp his own movie or come in right underneath it and make over $2 billion for Disney to break even. That's not even to make a profit. To make a profit, you have to become the second highest grossing movie of all time. And that is insane. Right. To, to make any profit, you have to beat Endgame. Right. A film that was 20 years in the making. Now, this one's been 20 years in the making, too, but there wasn't anything in between 1 and 20. With that, there was a lot building up to it. Yeah. um, As unlikely as that sounds, again, you you can't count out James Cameron. No. Like, he's... Uh, we just mentioned the four highest grossing movies of all time. Two of them were written and directed by him. So it's po- it's not impo- it's not improbable. Oh, uh, we it's did never movie. actually acknowledge that Avatar is still the highest grossing movie of all time. It is still the highest grossing movie of all time, which I honestly I just I do not understand 
how it is the highest gross move of, time, of all time. I don't get it. I do not understand those numbers at all. I don't think I ever will. I, I own it on Blu-ray, and I've only ever seen it once. Yeah. I don't get it. Like, it's a fine, it's a fine movie. It's a great-looking, fine movie. I don't understand right. With a story how that's been, been that reused, awesome. it's Fern Gully. It's live-action Fern Gully. Yep. I mean, Furious, I Furious 7 is number 10 of all time. Yep. Did not know that. The so Lion like, King? The Lion King's yeah. number eight? The, the, the remake of Lion King is number eight. The quote-unquote oh. live action, but all still computer animated live Lion King. Yeah. How? Dude, I don't know. <laughs> I had no desire to see the movie. Either. So maybe I'm wrong. I didn't have any, di- any desire to see Lion King. It's in the top ten. I don't have any desire to see Avatar 2. Maybe it's going to work. Maybe Dra- it'll happen. Jurassic World is seven. Yeah, I hated that movie too. I don't like that movie. I mean, I hate is a strong word, but it didn't really work for me. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. I don't. I don't love a lot of the movies in the top ten. I was looking at it earlier today. <laughs> I was making the rundown. Like, I think I like maybe three of them. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, because No Way Home's in there too. Your favorite movie. Um, yeah. <laughs> top Gun Maverick is number eleven. Okay. Yeah. So, I still haven't seen that. I no, gotta see Top Gun. I, I've heard nothing What's but wrong good things. Me? I gotta get that on the list. But either way. Either way. So anyway, good luck to James Cameron and Avatar Two making two billion dollars at the box office oh, to wait. make yeah. just your money back. I'm trying to segue and then I realized I'm the one that's gotta talk next. So uh Yeah. So uh in our final one shot, a new trailer is out for Doom Patrol season four. Is the fourth and possibly final seasoning and will air in two parts, with part one debuting on HBO Max on December 8th. I have personally not seen this trailer because I'm a season behind on this. Mike, thoughts? Um, I loved it. It just looks funny and goofy and out there and wild. Um, Doom Patrol. Very Doom Patrol. Season three was excellent. It left our characters... um, uh, we learned a lot about our characters. Our characters changed some, some very dramatically, uh, or had to deal with discovering new things about themselves in season three. Um, and this seems like it's picking up kind of right where that left off and moving forward and not looking back, just looks wacky and wild and still insane. And yeah, there have been rumors that this might be the last season, same with Titans, which is airing right now, uh, which I've watched most of the available episodes of so far. Um, I didn't realize until today that this was being split into two parts, and I'm wondering why they're bothering to do that. Maybe just to try to get more eyes on it or something. But um, I don't know. I don't know. I was uh, talking to Steve off air. I was I wasn't sure how caught up he was on Doom Patrol. I was hoping that we would be able to cover season four of Doom Patrol on this show, but he's a little bit behind, so I don't think we're going to be able to catch up at least before December eighth. So we'll see what the future holds, but. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited for a Doom Patrol season uh, four to start very soon. Absolutely. And I think that's it. I don't know like how long this episode was. It might have been a little on the shorter side, but we also recorded two other ones. So go check. What are you complaining about, people? Check out your feed. Absolutely. That's all I got. Well, before you leave, uh, people should leave us a comment, leave us a review, do whatever you got to do to get a hold of us. Multiversesupport.com, multiversesupport at gmail.com. Check us out on the socials. Uh, we're around. We'll talk back at you. We'll even read out any reviews on the pod. We sure will. We sure will. We'll give you a shout out. That'd be great. 
So uh, hit us up, and we'll talk to you next week. And until then, thanks for watching, thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the multiverse.